Y'all, I I was wondering if I was going to get to say anything, but I only get to preach like once or twice a month now, which is by design, because we actually believe that there should be several folks that are up here teaching, because this time should be, as we encounter God, an equipping time to equip us to do the stuff of ministry. We've been looking in Ephesians chapter 4. I've got a nice PowerPoint that I will not use today, Kennedy, so thank you anyway, because I want to make the most of the time, and I'm going to just pull everything I've got down to just some simple, simple words, okay? Uh, Golly, I'm seeing folks that hadn't been here in a long time. Man, good to see you. You can't hide. Uh, Yeah, just, it is so good to see family here. It's great to have the Albuquerque folks. You know, Debbie was 54 years old, and she was going to have her foot operated on. And the last thing that was going to happen was that they needed to do a few tests, blood tests and everything, before she had the surgery. This was a few years back, and so they ended up calling and telling us that there was one thing that was not in order for her to have that foot surgery. And I, I, it's too long of a story to go into all the details, but you just get the feel of this. I put the phone on speaker so I could hear it, and they didn't know it. And they said from the clinic that had done the blood test, Debbie's 54, they said everything came back positive for you to have this surgery except that the test says that you are pregnant. You are expecting. And there were other people in the room when they said that over speakerphone, and and, uh, Buzz Debbie and I were in shock. Debbie ran out of the room, and we, we ended up discussing this and working it through it, and they said, no, this is very clear. Y'all, it took two weeks of tests to find out for sure what was going on. And uh, during that time, our kids were, like, going crazy. Isaac said, well, if you're having a, another baby and it's a boy, then we're changing my name because I'm not the son of your old age. I'm going to be Fred or Bill or something, but I'm not going to be Isaac. He can have that name. And, and all of our kids were in shock, and I started doing the calculations that we went over to do more tests, and I was thinking, golly. See, I was, I'm older than Debbie, and so I went down the road and thought about this baby's graduation and realized I would be in my late 70s by the time this baby would, would, would uh, graduate from high school. So we were, needless to say, we were in shock. Now, we accepted it. We were genuinely excited about it because any life is a gift from God. There are no mistakes in that. Any life is a gift from God. God is the one that opens up the womb and closes it. And he we came to the place where we accepted that, believed it, and we were rejoicing. But, I, but, however, in the end, what ended up happening was they called us with more news, and they said, we need to tell you that Debbie is not pregnant. She never was. It was because of this, this, and this. And, y'all, I breathed a big sigh of relief. <sighs> because... That was good news. It was good news for me. Have you ever been sick 
And it's kind of a gradual sickness to where you just go, man, I just feel terrible. And, and, and then, you know, just the next day you feel great. You wake up and you're able to do things and you go, this is great. This is wonderful. I've been so sick before overseas that I thought I was going to die. And then two days into it, I wished I would. Have you ever been that sick? And then you st- sometimes you, you feel bad and you don't know it, and then all of a sudden you feel good and you go, now, I didn't even realize I was sick. But man, it feels good to feel good, right? Listen, good news, good news. That's what we're talking about. That's where we're going today. I have been consumed with the idea of the gospel, good news. Y'all are so consumed with it that I'm reading everything I can. I've done so many in-depth word studies. I've translated passages, and I've been writing. You, you, you realize that today so much polarization is happening across our world. Here in the States where we have been unified in, in, in some aspect, now we're polarized. And, and, and folks are fighting, and I don't think social media helps this, and I'm not against social media, I think we need to dominate it, not let it dominate us. God's called us to be missionaries into even that realm. But y'all, the church has taken on the identity of the world in this polarization. And I've seen it increasingly. Someone asked me yesterday, and what kind of heresy and apostasy are you seeing today? Trace uh, Fields, would you go grab me a glass of water, please? Y'all have got me so excited, my mouth is drying out. <clears throat> What kind of apostasy or heresy? Have you heard the word heresy very much lately? We throw it around like it's no big deal. But I, I want to tell you, it's so much worse than denominationalism ever has been. People even within the same streams of denominations are actually accusing other people of heresy. And what's happened is there's a polarization that's happened in the body of Christ that breaks God's Father heart. We have taken on the spirit of the world in this polarization far too long. And I'm tired of it, and I'm not going to put up with it anymore. Because you know what? God has given us something to rally together in, and it's called the gospel. It is good news. We have coined phrases with gospel. We've made adjectives and adverbs that come along, the nouns and verbs that talk about the gospel. It's a shame. I've had people say, tell me what the gospel is from you. It's kind of like, I got my truth. What's the gospel for you? Y'all listen, I want to break it down very simply today, not even using a PowerPoint. Here's what what I'm writing. I've been going, God, where are the gray-haired or no-haired folks that understand things that are to lead the body of Christ in helping us rally together to the truth of what your word is, what, to the truth of where your heart is. Where are those guys? It seems like everybody's fighting. Who's going to stand up and say, no, no more. This is what it's about. Where are they? And I was shaving and looking in the mirror, and I realized I've lost a lot of hair, and I've got a bunch of gray going on. And I thought, I've got to write this down. So I started writing, y'all. 
I've started studying and writing, and I want to understand what the gospel, the gospel is. Because the gospel, the good news, should unite us all. And we made everything else outside of that become the important stuff. And we put adjectives and adverbs on the good news and made it something that it's not. There's some good movies out there. There's some, some good truth in some movies. There's one uh, movie that's called The American Gospel. It's a challenge to one whole stream of folks. Y'all, I want to tell you, there's some good stuff in it. But even when we say the American gospel, trying to say that we in America have made something more of the gospel than it should be, that adjective is divisive. So now the heart of the, the people I know is, it's good. We want to be about truth. And we want people to get the fullness of what God's got for us. But y'all, you can't add to the gospel. You can't. What can you add to? Well, you can add to good news. Debbie and I had good news. <laughs> and sometimes you can't get the good news until you believe the bad news and understand the bad news. You can't be healed unless you're sick and recognize it, right? So there's, there's something of the bad news that prepares us for the good news. But I want you to just think three things about gospel. The word gospel actually comes from the Greek word. I have the Greek there. I was going to let all of you Greek people get this. But it's really one word, and it's good, you, which is the beginning of eulogy, a good word that you would say at a funeral. You, good, news. And, 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 and news actually is like angel or messenger. Good news. Good news. It's very simple. There's good news all throughout the scripture. There's good news in the Old Testament. There's good news to look forward to, but good news that they experienced. Good news that, that, that messengers came back with the, the, the sign of victory. There's been a victory, and they ran back to talk about it. That was good news. There's good news. Before Jesus died on the cross, before Jesus actually activated in his public ministry, John the Baptist preached good news. And here it was. It was repent because the kingdom of heaven is here. So repent means we're going this way and we turn. We turn towards God. Good news. Good news is a message. The word proclaim is inherent in good news. You don't get good news and put it in your pocket. Good news means that it is to be proclaimed. It's implied. And so when you see in the New Testament, in our English translation, it says, preach the gospel. Preach, most often, is not even there. It just says, evangelize. Isn't that crazy? I didn't know that until I've gotten to study it. It's implied in it that we are proclaiming the good news. John the Baptist said, the, God, the kingdom of heaven is here. Now, Jesus picked up with that. And depending on which uh, book in the Bible you're reading from, you'll see kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God. I believe they're interchangeable. 
But kingdom of God, Jesus said, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. That means you're going this way, turn that way to God. Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. You find the kingdom, uh, the gospel of grace, the gospel of Christ, the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. We find the good news. Jesus, throughout his ministry, was talking about the kingdom of God, and that was his good news. If you look at Luke chapter 4, verse 18, when he goes into the temple and he's into, in, in, into the, the place of worship, and he reads from Isaiah, and he, and he says, this is fulfilled in your hearing. He said, I am anointed to preach good news to the poor. Do you remember that passage? We were going to break that down today. So you've got to go study that yourself. Jesus said he was the fulfillment of the good news. Did you know that evangelist, uh, evangelist is found only three times in our New Testament? Three times describing a person. The word evangelist in the noun form is found three times. It's, it describes Philip the evangelist in Acts. It describes uh, Stephen as an evangelist. And then you find it in Ephesians chapter 4. But y'all, all of us are to be equipped to bring good news wherever we go. Now, sometimes when we speak the good news, it's actually bad news to other people. So let's just look at, we are going to have to look at, at one passage. I can't just throw these references out. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and let's just look. I have not done anything that I planned on doing, and I'm good with it. So y'all just hold on to your horse. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Actually, starting verse 12. Paul says to the church at Corinth, When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, the Lord opened the door for me. I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find my brother Titus, but I said goodbye to them and left for Macedonia. And look at this, verse 14. But thanks be to God who always puts us on display in Christ through us, spreads the aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Y'all, that's the gospel. Wherever he went, there was an aroma of the gospel, an aroma of good news. But check it out. Verse 15, for to God we are the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. There's two groups. You can divide the whole world, world up into it. Those that are being saved and those are, that are dying, that are, are being, that are separated from God and continuing down that path. Look what he says, verse 16. To some, we are, an aroma, uh, we are an aroma of death leading to death, but to others, an aroma of life leading to life. Those that are being saved sniff that good news on us, and they go, hey, give me some of that. What we're looking for is the seeker that's looking for God. And if you can find that seeker and meet them, you can draw them closer to that born-again experience with good news. Listen. The good news of Jesus is to be lived out by us. But make no mistake, it is a message. It is a proclamation that should be spoken out. 
It is the good news of Jesus that should be it's implied, proclaimed, lived out in our life, but proclaimed. And wherever we do that, we're looking for those that are drawn to that. Now jump over to chapter 4 in 2 Corinthians, verse 3. There's so much here. Oh, verse 3. I wasn't even intending on looking at these verses, but thank you, Lord. You are filling me right now with what we need to look at today. Y'all, you need some good news today. Do you need some good news? You, you need good news, and you're supposed to be a bearer of good news. You should be the evangelist. We want to be just like Jesus. He is the evangelist. If you looked at him as the apostle, the, the pastor, he is the evangelist. Look at verse 3. But if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we're not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your slaves because of Jesus. If the world can't see the gospel, can't hear it, can't get it, the God of this world has blinded their eyes. So we need to pray that whoever we meet, that the God of this world will, that, that those blinders would be removed so that they could see the gospel. Some of us that have received the gospel of salvation have stopped there. And instead of going around with the joy of the Lord in our heart, not because of the circumstances that surround us, being positive because of circumstances, that's happenstance. But being positive because of what God has done in our lives and in our hearts is joy. It's not based on circumstance. You know, I said this past week, Debbie and I are having some deep discussions. And I said, I woke up positive. I'm, I try in the mornings. I've tried to I, I wake up and I consciously go, good morning, Lord. I try my best to say, good Lord, it's morning. And I did that. I was positive. I got up, got my coffee, went in there and sat down. And it felt like the weight of the world just descended on me. As my mind began to think of the things that were around me. And here's what I realized. Most of what I worried about and was depressed or down about. Hear this. This is what I said to Debbie. Debbie, if, if, our, if our problems can be solved by money, then it is probably in the temporal realm, not the eternal. Because whatever we can solve with money is going to burn up. You realize that, right? So if money can solve whatever it is that's the circumstance that robs you of your joy, you need to deal with that. Just get over that. And then the second thing was, if what I'm concerned about could be dealt with by a medical professional, and I'm not just talking about me and Debbie, I'm talking about people that I love, then it probably is temporal. Because what, what we're, it is so important for us to take care of the flesh carton that we inhabit. You are a spirit that has a soul that inhabits a body. 
And this body needs to be taken care of so that you can preach the gospel for a long time to a lot of people, right? So I'm not putting down medical doctors. (laughs) What I'm saying is, if we're wrapped up about stuff that medical professionals can take care of, we're probably dealing more in the temporal realm than we are in the eternal realm. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm trying to be nice. Some of you just went probably. Y'all, circumstances do not dictate to us our joy. Even when we grieve. Get this. We're all going to have pain. All of us are going to go through some grief. Even if you're healed, you're healed to die. One day your body is going to give up. Billy Graham said, great statistic, one out of every one person dies. So somebody you love is going to die and you're going to grieve. But we as Christians don't grieve as the heathen do. We grieve, and, but we have hope. Y'all, listen. We get the gospel of salvation and we stop there. Okay? We're going to come back to this. I'm going to be very clear about what the gospel of salvation is. Because if you miss this, you missed everything. And it's important not to mess with the gospel of salvation. Very important. But you have the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of heaven that John the Baptist and Jesus preached. You find in Acts chapter 1 verse 3, uh, Luke summarizes the whole 40 days that Jesus had with his disciples and says he was teaching us about the kingdom of God. If you go to the end of Luke chapter, Luke, the last two chapters of Luke, you find Jesus in his resurrected body and he is taking them from Genesis through Malachi and showing them himself. So it's about the king and the kingdom. That's the good news of the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And then you have four books in our Bible that are gospel accounts. Those are the gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So if somebody says, tell me what the gospel is. Say, give me a little bit more of a description of your question. Because if you're talking about the Bible, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay? If you're talking about when Jesus was teaching and preaching, John the Baptist was, it's the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of heaven. It's the whole package. Okay? But there is the gospel. The gospel is the entrance point into the kingdom of God. You can't understand the kingdom of God, Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless you've been born again. Born of the Spirit. Mess with that gospel and you're in trouble. You hear me? I don't even know what I'm saying right now. I've got to bring it home because I want us to respond and and, and we're going to let the New Life City uh, youth come up and sing one song that they've written. They're headed to Jackson, Mississippi to share the gospel. Look, y'all. Look, listen. Have you been around church members that look like they could use some good news? Have you been around some of them that walk around look like they've been sucking on a lemon? Baptized in pickle juice? I want to wake them up and say, hey, if you've got joy in your heart, you need to notify your face. Because you look like a sour old... I'm not going to say it. The joy in the Lord should 
affect our whole countenance. The glory of God should be shining from us. We have got good news. And good news is implied that we are proclaiming it. So what is the gospel? This is what all Christendom can rally around. Anything that's beyond this, you can say the different teachings we disagree on. Y'all, if I, if I met myself 10 years ago, I'd have an argument. I don't even agree with me. So why do we try to agree on all of the other things? Let the other things take care of themselves. But don't mess with the gospel. And here it is. Galatians chapter 1, Paul says, uh, If any man preaches another gospel unto you, let him be accursed. The word anathema. Let him be condemned to hell. If they're preaching another gospel. That gospel, don't mess with it. What is that gospel? It is a gospel of grace. Paul says in Galatians, he's, he's arguing with these Judaizers who are, are saying to be a true believer, you have to be circumcised. At one point, he gets so upset about it, and he's going, don't add to the gospel. If you add to the gospel, if I or angels, any, anybody comes and gives you another gospel than the gospel of grace, let him be accursed. And he says it twice, right there in the same passage. He actually says in one place, I wish that when they were cutting with the circumcision that they would slip with the knife and cut off more so that they would not make more spiritual children like that. Don't mess with the gospel. Don't mess with this. If you add anything to the gospel of grace, it's serious business. Okay? You can call, you can say, there's health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. I want to say, stop saying that. That's, that's not, that's maybe some good news. Let's call it theology. Don't mess with the word gospel, please. We can say, well, that's reformed gospel. Or that's baptized in the water fully by immersion gospel. Or that's the sprinkle gospel. Or that's the, and you can put all kind of adjectives and adverbs on it and have a nice fight with your brothers and sisters in the heart of the Father is grieved. He says, rally to this, a gospel of grace. Don't add works to it. What Jesus did on the cross, pay for it all. We go, God, Jesus didn't come to make bad people better. He came to make dead people live. When he died on the cross, when he took our sin, it was a payment for our sin so that we could be born again. One who fulfilled the law. Is the law important? Yes. So important that Jesus fulfilled it and then died a cursed death for you and me. That's good news. Believe that bad news. We're walking zombies. We, we, we are the, what do you call them? Walking dead. What do you call them? Zombies? That's who we are spiritually until we've been born again. Right? And then we become sons and daughters in the kingdom. But here's the entrance. It's not by our works. Here's the gospel. Here's the gospel message. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you're going to have to look it up because I'm out of time. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, this is the gospel I preached. Here it is. This is the message. Jesus crucified 
buried and arose. It's that simple as ABC backwards. New Life City, young people, when you go into the streets in Jackson, Mississippi, that's a simple gospel. Jesus crucified, buried, and arose. And there's two places that we find our response to that message. See, good news demands a response. You either accept it or you reject it. You either believe it and receive it or you reject it. How must I be saved? This is the gospel of salvation. Don't mess with it. We are walking this way. And the word in Acts chapter 2 says, repent and believe. What does repent mean? It means an about face. You're going this way. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 9 says, uh, We turn to God from idols to serve the living God, the living true God. That's repentance. It's a changing of our mind. Too many people will say repentance means a change of your, your lifestyle and your actions. Don't mess with the gospel, folks. How many actions do you have to fix before you really truly repented? Do you hear what I'm saying? Repentance is not stopping doing something. It's starting doing something. Repentance is, we're walking this way as a walking zombie dead man. The walking dead, we repent and turn to the cross. And we believe the good news. And we receive the good news. It's simple as ABC. John chapter 1 verse 12 says... As many as received. You can't receive it like this. Turn to God from sin. I'm not talking about y'all. From sin. Turn to God from sin to receive that gift. Y'all, that's the gospel of salvation. Don't add anything to it. Now, if, here, here's one other thing I'd say about that gospel. If the gospel of grace is used as a license to sin, you're admonished. The gospel of grace, Paul says, shows, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, may it never be. Twice. That means that's important. No! Don't keep sinning. We don't celebrate the life of sin. We turn from it. You, you hear? So grace doesn't give us a license to sin. Who we are changes in, in the inside. And our want-tos change. Right? So, if somebody's preaching another gospel saying you got to be circumcised or whatever else, you really need to cut it out. Because <laughs> that's serious business. Let them be accursed. But if you're living a lifestyle of sin when you've had the gospel of grace, it says separate from them. Separate from them. But remember that that's your brother or sister. Okay? Love them like they're lost. That means love the hell out of them. But you don't just go, hey, I celebrate your lifestyle of sin. No. A gospel of grace that gives license to sin is wrong. So here's, here's the gospel. It's simple as ABC backwards. The message is this. Jesus crucified, buried, and arose. Man's response is simple as this. Accept, believe, and confess Jesus. It's that simple. And then the works come. And they come not because you 
or doing it out of your own. We're not saved by our, right, our righteousness, but uh, by his grace. Y'all, can you find brothers and sisters and look at them and say, it doesn't matter about your peripheral theologies. I want to know what you say the gospel message is. If it's Jesus crucified, buried, and rose, bear hug them and say, we are fellow missionaries. If they say something otherwise, bear hug them and just love the hell out of them. Right? Reach out to them. Pray that their eyes would be open. Love everybody. Amen? Lord, would you make our family here and the kingdom of God family in this city reflect the kingdom of God family in heaven? Thank you, Lord, that you took all tongue, tribes, and nations. And Lord, right now we repent of the petty pettiness of extra things. Help us to rally to you, Jesus.